Hello, welcome to Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. Let's get started. Welcome to 2022, a brand new year, and to be quite honest with you, a brand new crunch. Syracuse was back in action this past week for the first time in over three weeks due to COVID-related causes. First, their opponents had COVID, then Syracuse had COVID. It's been a little bit of a frustrating interruption to their season, and it is very, very good to be able to bring so much positivity here to this episode as we look to start off 2022 and as we look forward to really almost the second half of this season. The last podcast that I recorded and sat down with you all, we were at the quarter mark of the season, and we're very quickly approaching the halfway mark. With the amount of games that Syracuse is going to have to play coming up, I have a feeling that halfway mark is going to approach and pass quicker than any of us were ever prepared for as we really started this season. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I am so excited to be sitting down with you all and be able to talk about the last week because it was such a fantastic week that I honestly don't think any of us really expected happening based on what we saw before the crunch had to pause. A lot has been made about the fact that Syracuse was starting to hit a little bit of a stride before this three-week pause happened. None of us were really sure what the team was going to come back looking like After that three weeks, one of the things that really played into Syracuse's favor was that three week pause came at a fairly opportune time for a lot of reasons. The Lightning has been dealing with a lot of injuries and a lot of COVID issues. The NHL actually had to bring back taxi squads because of this. So within all of these COVID related questions and all of these teams in the AHL that are having roster issues because of it, now we also have to deal with the whole taxi squad situation again. Thankfully, the Lightning seems to be handling the evolution of the taxi squads for this particular season almost as a way to control cap issues and still be able to have just one or two players up with them just in case, which is something that as someone looking at things from the AHL perspective, I am incredibly grateful for. Not that I would ever think that the Lightning would do anything to purposely screw with Syracuse's season or really would do anything that is going to impact the crunch that negatively. You never know. So it's been really good to see that the Lightning hasn't really taken that much advantage of the taxi squads now that the crunch is back playing. Currently, Syracuse is only missing the services of forward Ramey Ellie and defenseman Andre Schuster. Speaking of rosters, so... Now that I've mentioned Schuster and Ellie, that brings me back to one of the things that I really wanted to talk about because this is so incredibly exciting. Think back to the summer of 2021. The Tampa Bay Lightning is building Syracuse's roster. Things are coming into place. The Crunch supposedly on paper has the strongest roster the Lightning has ever made for them ever. Things are looking great for the upcoming season. Then injuries with Syracuse happen and injuries with the Lightning happen. And then the Lightning gets COVID. And then Syracuse gets COVID. And Syracuse's opponents get COVID. And all of these things kind of come together to create this vortex of roster issues that plagued the crunch for the first three months of the 2021-22 season. This team was never really close 
to the team that the Lightning Brass had envisioned for Syracuse on paper this past summer when they signed all of those fantastic players and put together that roster. Sure, Syracuse knew that they were probably going to be without Boris Kachuk and or Taylor Radish and or Alex Barry-Boulay. That was accepted from the beginning, but all of the veteran firepower that the Lightning pulled together, guys like Ellie, guys like Schuster, all of these players that were supposed to be pretty much permanently in Syracuse, barring any major disasters, weren't really able to all play at the same time due to everything that was going on. This three-week pause comes along, and all of the sudden, all of these players are able to get healthy. They're able to gather back in Syracuse. They're able to be where they need to be in order to actually play for the crunch. Not only do we have a situation where this roster is coming back together and it's actually looking like what was envisioned for Syracuse this past summer, you then have the addition of guys like former NHL defenseman Jason Garrison and former organizational forward PC Labrie, which, hold on now, if you were to tell me at the beginning of the season that a former forward a veteran was going to be coming back to Syracuse that had played in the organization before. Who do you think it's going to be? Labrie would not have been at the top of that list, but not only was I absolutely thrilled to see him coming back, a lot of my followers on Twitter were very, very excited to welcome back a personality that was really instrumental during those first couple of years of the Lightning affiliation, who has a lot of warm memories associated with this team and just who who fans recognize those touchstone players from those first couple of seasons when you look at the lightning affiliation mike angelitas eric nielsen jp cote pc labrie those are those guys that bring back those fond memories of that the the, the team's first run to the calder cup that in particular was such an incredible time for Crunch fans who had never experienced anything like that and hadn't gotten close to anything like that in years. It was really good to welcome Labrie back. And honestly, I'm not sure. I don't want to give the return of Labrie all of the credit for this past week, but I definitely feel like everything came together this past week to put a team to put a product on the ice that was really fun and really exciting to watch for crunch fans this past this past week and honestly it was a well-needed catharsis for the organization for the team itself you could really tell especially by Saturday that this team was having a lot of fun out there they looked pretty gassed in the final five minutes of the game Saturday night I'm not gonna lie but this team had probably played the best most consistent hard-hitting physical finishing their checks doing what they needed to do winning the battles that they weren't winning previously before the break happened pushing themselves everybody on that team worked their butt off during these past three games I am not surprised that Syracuse looked completely and totally gassed in the final five minutes of Saturday's game but you know what despite the fact that everybody on that team looked totally exhausted they didn't mess it up they pushed through they persevered and good teams 
find ways to do that. They find ways to push past that haze of tiredness, to push past everything that they are feeling, and they find a way to keep their focus and not make the mistakes that allow the other team to tie it up and then pull ahead. That is what this crunch team accomplished this past week. They had a perfect week. They went 3-0 and twice against Rochester, one against Hershey, something that especially those two Rochester games was so, so, so important to Syracuse because up until this past week, they hadn't really managed to consistently solve Rochester, who is absolutely one of the best teams in the league this season, which is really unfortunate for Syracuse because not only is Rochester in Syracuse's division, they play them 3,743 times, only bested by the Utica Comets, who Syracuse plays 4,763 times. So it is very important that Syracuse starts finding ways to play consistently and play consistently well against the Rochester Americans, which is something the Crunch did this past week. That is going to be increasingly important as Syracuse looks towards the rest of its schedule, which, oh my God, sweet baby Jesus, in case you all didn't know, it's going to be an absolute cluster. But you know what? We're going to be there every single step of the way. Okay, I barely breathed during all of that. Clearly, this has probably been one of the more upbeat and energetic podcasts you've heard from me really all this season. There's a couple of reasons for that, but regardless, part of it is absolutely what I saw from the team this past week. So what exactly was that? What did Crunch fans and what did I see from the team this past week? Unlike other weeks, I actually watched the team play all of their games this past week. I watched it on AHL TV for Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday, the team was in Rochester, and I did think about going, but with the way everything is right now, I just felt safer watching it through AHL TV with that lovely subscription that The Crunch has gifted to all of their season ticket holders. By the way, incredibly appreciated, especially since I am just old and permanently exhausted and I don't want to drive it's the winter time it's cold speaking of not wanting to drive it's the winter time it's cold that was also why I ended up watching Friday nights through AHL TV because I I don't know if any of you had to drive on the thruway Friday night especially in the areas between the Finger Lakes and Syracuse but it was not super duper great so I stayed home Friday night as well and I got to see the team in person on Saturday All three games were really, really good games from a Syracuse perspective. Wednesday's game was really very much two teams who are used to playing each other all the time, but who hadn't seen each other in almost a month. And they were really, you got the feeling that both teams were kind of feeling each other out. The game was a little bit less energized than Friday and Saturday's contests were. It was a little bit of a slower game. It was a little bit of a, I don't want to say that it was a snooze fest, but it wasn't exactly the most exciting thing I have ever seen. In fact, there wasn't any scoring Wednesday night until the second period. But with the scoring that did happen Wednesday night during that second period, which now that I'm looking at the score sheet, that was all of the scoring. It all happened during the second period Wednesday night. The players that scored for Syracuse during that second period, they're the players that are really impressive right now for the crunch. Starting off the scoring less than two minutes into the second period was forward Cole Kepke. 
Kepke has had an amazing period for Syracuse, dating back slightly to their time before the COVID pause. And then now that they're back from the pause, his streak has continued, which is pretty incredible. It is really hard to start getting your stride and to start having that consistency, but then all of a sudden have to pause for almost a month and then come back with that same consistency level at where it was before. Kepke is doing that. He is being that depth scoring right now that Syracuse was desperately missing before this pause. And I honestly think for Syracuse to continue to find success moving forward, those depth guys, those younger guys, those guys that aren't necessarily on that top line, they're going to be the ones that are really going to need to start stepping up for Syracuse. If you look at Rochester and Utica and the success that they are having this season, a lot of their success is owed to the fact that they are rolling four lines every single night. Their four lines are all playing. They're all clicking. Kind of that next man up philosophy. If one guy on the first line goes down to an injury or has to go up to you know Rochester or New Jersey, there's guys ready to step up because they've been performing this whole time. So there's not really a break in that stride. This is what we're going to need the Kepkes of the Crunch to start doing. He now has a five-game goal scoring streak. So that is fantastic. He is someone that the Crunch needed to start finding his game, and now he has. The second person to score for Syracuse Wednesday night, not really a surprise, was Gabriel Dumont. What was a surprise was that it came on the power play. Syracuse's power play had really been struggling before the break, so it was nice this past week to see it get going again. That was definitely a feature of the last couple of games. And boy, would it benefit Syracuse to be able to keep that power play going, especially over the next three weeks. Preview of that coming up soon. It's going to be rough. But anyway, back to Wednesday night's game. Gabriel Dumont scored on the power play. Alex Barry-Boulet and Simon Ryfors assisted on that goal. Otto Sampi assisted on the Kepke goal that happened earlier in the period. And Otto Sampi is also someone that we need to talk about because as of Saturday night's game, Otto Sampi now has himself a five-game point streak. So he is someone who is, again, quietly starting to build for himself a very, very good season, just like he did last year, which is really good to see because Sampi is another one of those players that Syracuse really needed to find his stride. They needed him to really start getting going so that they can start rolling more than just that first line. So this is really good news too. Sampi's getting himself going as well. So the Crunch wins Wednesday night in Rochester. They roll back home for the first home game in almost a month on Friday, and they welcome the Hershey Bears into the building. Hershey, one of the better teams in the league. They're currently second in the Atlantic Division. Hershey has been a tough opponent for Syracuse over this last couple of seasons, and this season wasn't looking to be any different. Syracuse, coming off of that win Wednesday night, ends up pulling out a 5-3 victory over Hershey in front of their home fans. Kepke scores, assisted by Dumont and Barry Boulay. Again, same names, keep coming up, very strange. Alex Green So Alex Green adds another one, assisted by Kepke, and Jimmy Huntington. Huntington is someone who is starting to get hot, and it would be great if he could find that again moving forward into the next couple of weeks. Moving into the second period, we see a goal from Labrie in his first game back with the team. 
he scores. Ryan Jones and Charles Houdon actually assist on that goal. So it's nice to see some new names appearing on the score sheet for Syracuse. Jones is someone we haven't heard very often. Very nice to see. Houdon is is an old friend on the score sheet, but it's, again, you need some of those secondary scorers, some of those secondary assisters to start stepping up more and more and more. Going into the third period, Syracuse sees goals from Gabriel Fortier and Barry Boulay, assisted by Alex Green and Sampi on the Fortier goal and Kepke on the Barry Boulay goal. It's really nice to start seeing a consistent variety of names on the score sheet for Syracuse. The game Friday night against Hershey was pretty physical. It was, um, you could tell that Syracuse was in a different mind frame than they were before the break. They were finishing their checks. They were winning really, really physical battles with the puck. They weren't turning the puck over as well they, as much as they used to. They weren't making those mistakes that they had been making before the break. Things really flowed very well for Syracuse Friday night. The communication amongst the team members also seemed to be really high, whether that was between the defenders and the goaltender or out there on the ice. I just noticed this past weekend that it seemed like the players were talking to each other more. Coach Ben Grew, when talking to the media Saturday night, made the comment that it seemed like the veterans really took the team in hand this past weekend and really made it their team. Whether Labrie's addition had a lot to do with that or whether it was just that everybody was healthy and feeling a little bit more confident, I really don't know. But it was really good to see, and it was very evident this past weekend, something has changed with this team. And it's incredible to start watching it come together because we're finally seeing what we knew this team was capable of all along. So Syracuse is 2-0 on the week. They go into their final game of the week Saturday night in the War Memorial against Rochester again. When you play the same team in one week, you never know how things are going to go, right? Because whether you win or lost the first game, things carry over to the second game. It adds a little bit of a spice to everything going on. Who knows how things are going to go? Syracuse was able to carry over the consistency and the lack of mistakes and all of the physicality that they had brought against Hershey into their game Saturday against Rochester. Sampi continued his point streak. He had the first goal of the game. Charles Houdon had a goal. Cole Kepke had his empty netter that also continued his own streak. But what's interesting about this game is yet again, we see Syracuse scoring on the power play. Sampi and Houdon both scored on the power play Saturday night against Rochester. So Syracuse potted three power play goals against the Rochester Americans this past week. It's going to be really interesting to see if Syracuse can keep up this power play that it has so far crafted in its return as the season goes on. So what is Syracuse moving forward into as we look at the remainder of January? Well, unfortunately, quite a bit. As the team got back into the public eye this past week, both Lucas Favalli and Coach Ben Grew were around on different radio shows, and I was able to listen to, I think, everything that they did this past week. One of the big things that everybody was talking about 
Uh, Lucas addressed it when he was on the show. Brent Axe talked about it with head coach Grew on his own show this past week, is the fact that when you look at the rest of Syracuse's schedule for this season, they are going to play the most amount of games. And when I say the most amount of games, I mean out of every single other team in all of the professional leagues in North America, the Crunch has the most games that they are going to be playing with the remaining part of their season. So you're talking NHL, AHL, ECHL, SPHL. There is no other team in any professional league in North America that has more games on its slate remaining in their season than Syracuse. The Crunch has the most. And you start seeing that schedule really ramp up during their second part of January. Syracuse has 10 games remaining on their slate in the month of January. Nine of those games are against divisional opponents. The Crunch plays a home-and-home against Utica next weekend with a game in Laval in between then and now. Then Syracuse hosts Belleville on Monday, January 17th, sees Rochester on the 19th, sees Utica on the 21st, and on the 22nd. Again, another home-and-home series against Utica that following weekend. So for those counting along at home, the Crunch plays three games this upcoming week, four games the following week, and then sees Cleveland, Rochester, and Charlotte ending the month with their only non-divisional opponent the week after that. So their upcoming slate might just end up making or breaking their season at the halfway mark. Yes, the Crunch will still have a lot of games after that slate. You know, there's there's no denying that. In February, the team will have 12 games. In March, the team will have 14 games. And in April, the team will have 15 games. So there is still a lot to this season left. However, considering how many points and, you know, where the the points percentages come in, obviously, into this too, considering the ground that Syracuse can make up against their North Division opponents that they lost in the first half of the season with all of the roster changes and everything that was going up and down, the next three weeks for the Crunch are incredibly important. So this is a really good time for the team to be clicking because their slate is not going to get any easier from here. When Patrick Williams was on the podcast before the break happened, he mentioned the fact that the key to Syracuse's season is going to be figuring out Utica and Rochester. As previously mentioned, the majority of Syracuse's season is against those two teams. Those two teams are now fighting it out for first place in the division as we currently speak. Right now, Utica has it, but, you know, come tomorrow or the next day, Rochester could have it. Both of those teams are very good right now, and Syracuse plays them a ton in the next three weeks and then continuing on throughout the rest of their season. The next three weeks are so important to the rest of Syracuse's season. The power play needs to keep going. Guys like Kepke and Sampi need to keep scoring. The veterans need to stay healthy. I think that Body maintenance is going to be incredibly important for this team moving forward, and that's something that Coach Grew has spoken to a couple of times now in the media just because it's going to be tough. There's not really that many extra people in the organization where Syracuse can be sitting people every other game 
that that can't really happen. We did see something interesting where Ben managed the goalies a little bit differently this past week than he usually does. Legacy started Wednesday and Friday and won both of those games, and then fans saw Hugo Elnefelt start Saturday. So that was a little bit of a break from tradition in Gru's usual goaltender rotation. Usually he just plays a goalie until he loses and then he starts the other one. And I can't help but think that that might have been a strategic move just looking at the rest of Syracuse's schedule and knowing that we want the goalies to stay healthy. And there has been some injury concerns with both of those guys this season already. So I think that that probably had something to do with it. Hopefully Legacy is healthy and there's nothing going on there. But, you know, that is going to be a challenge for the coaching staff and for the team and for the training staff. We can't forget how important they are in this entire process moving forward. I think that you're going to see some things like that. Currently, Garrison, who I mentioned in the first segment of this podcast, is actually just on a professional tryout contract with the team. I would not mind if that transferred over to a regular contract, even if it was just for the remainder of the season. Garrison is a veteran of 555 NHL games. He spent three seasons with the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is why it was kind of fun to have Garrison come back to the organization, even if it was just with the crunch. He hadn't been playing hockey this season. I think if I recall correctly, he had actually been working towards going back to school. So I'm not exactly sure how this professional tryout contract came around, but I think it's a really neat story. And given what Syracuse is looking at over the rest of its season, I think they could use some depth right now. Andre Schuster is up with the Lightning on the taxi squad. They've had um, some bad luck with their defenseman. McDonough was the latest one up there with the Lightning who missed games recently because of injuries. They've had they've seen some important forward pieces coming back, but now unfortunately they've lost a really important blue liner. So if Schuster stays up with the Lightning, I wouldn't be surprised to see Garrison's contract roll over into a full contract as long as that's what he wants I have a feeling that one of the reasons this is a PTO is is partly on his side of things just because he hadn't been playing hockey but in my opinion the defense looked really good over these past couple of games the games especially Saturday nights versus Rochester the shots got up really high Saturday night but I don't necessarily think that that was a fault the shots were high on both sides I think both teams were just throwing everything they could at the net which is really what you know sort of hockey is all about I think that the defense worked really well with the goaltenders this past week and I will say too the goalies performance this past week should not be discounted both goaltenders in all of the games that they played made some really key saves throughout those three games that might have changed the course of the contests had the puck gone into the net. It was really a full team effort over this past week, which is, you know, the way hockey is supposed to be played. But it is something that crunch fans hadn't really seen up until this week. So again, it's a very exciting time to be a crunch fan right now. I am really looking forward to seeing what the rest of the season is going to bring because to be honest with you up until this past week I was practicing in my head how I was going to tell you all to prepare yourselves to just you know mentally write this season off don't set yourself up for for upset or or for you know disappointment just figure that it's great that we're playing hockey at all and and you know next season we'll, we'll build on what's here and it'll be better I don't have to say that right now I am 
pumped from what we saw this past week. And I'm really excited to see where this team is going to go next. I think that will do it for this week's episode, so I want to thank you all so much for listening. I'm Alex Ackerman. I'm the host and creator of this podcast, and my social media is always open to anybody who wants to come follow me or wants to give any kind of feedback or ask questions. My personal Twitter is at Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O, and my hockey handle is over at Sinbin Crunch. I would also like to thank Kevin McLeod and Purple Planet Music for the royalty-free tracks that were heard throughout this podcast. I hope you all have a wonderful week or two until I see you again. Take care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I'll talk to you soon.